and radical apple cats. (laughs) All right. Uh, (laughs) Welcome to The Weirding Hour. We're a podcast that talks about weird things. We do weird crafts while we talk about weird things. And you weirdly listen for reasons we don't particularly know. Are you our friends? Are you just weird? Who knows? I'm Bothwell. I'm Rhea. I'm Nina. Um, so do we have any exciting things to say before I talk about this week's topic? I feel like I want to tell them something really exciting and amazing, but I don't have any news. Because <laughs> uh, we're just locked down. It was sunny today. Oh, yes. yeah, it's going to be 21 sunny. degrees tomorrow. No. Yes. Probably not when this comes out. No, sorry guys. We are now in March and we're about to have a mini heat wave and then it's going back to eight degrees after that. So in summary, the planet's Global clearly warming. dying. Yeah, woohoo! Yeah. We, should, we should get on that. We should do something about that. Okay. Anyway, cool. So this week's topic, we are going to be talking about famous uh, mythical creatures. So we've talked about cryptids before, but now we're talking about specifically famous ones. Um, the ones that we... everyone knows. Yeah, except I, well, I went for the one that everyone in Australia knows. Okay. So I might is have it, alienated everyone. Is it famous in Australia? Yeah. Okay. I'll allow it. Oh, cool. oh, oh, I'm wow. Not... <laughs> yeah, we, I got allowed, Are not allowing some sometimes? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've not been allowed in the past. I'm pretty well, sure. Yeah, no, I'm pretty certain too, but what's wrong Damn. with me? <laughs> <laughs> You're very judgy. Also, let's not open that door. <laughs> Viewers, we'd like you to, to write in. Viewers? No, 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 business. no. No. What's wrong with me? No, okay. Anyway. Please um, don't. My yeah, no, don't tell that. us that. There's nothing wrong with any of us. We're pretty great. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with you either. You are also pretty great. So... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, uh, listeners. <laughs> well, I love you at any rate. That's you and know. you tell them at the end of every episode. Exactly. I've always got your back, boo. <laughs> <laughs> Collective boo. Um Okay, so this week, as we talk about our famous cryptids, we're going to be doing drawings. So please grab some sort of implement in which you can create drawings and draw along with us because we'd love to see what you can produce. We only get a few of these and it makes us sad. We want more of them. We're setting the bar so low. Come on, guys. You can't possibly be shy. Um, Right, so for my famous cryptid, I am going to be doing the bunyip. (laughs) Ooh, I've heard of the bunyip. Have you heard of the bunyip, Nina? No, but it sounds cute. <laughs> yeah, well, at first, when I first read it, I was like, I was pretty sure that was like a lump on your foot you had to go and see the podiatrist for. But <laughs> ah. the can you uh, cut off my bunyips? Cut off oh. my best bunyips. Um, but it is, in fact, a creature from Australian Aboriginal mythology that likes to hang out in swamps, billabongs, creeks, riverbeds, and waterholes. Uh, for anyone else who also thought Billabong was just a brand of surf aware, it's an isolated pond left behind when a river changes its course. <laughs> learning. <laughs> I love learning. Right. And there, there you go. First fact. Now you know what a Billabong is. Um, so Bunyip is the Wemba Wemba language, which means devil or evil spirit. Um, and actually, originally, it went by lots of different names, depending on the indigenous tribe who was talking about it. So you had the Wowie Wowie the Yalu, the Kian Prati, the Dongu, and that's it. Uh, I'm pretty more. sure my other nickname is the Wowie Wowie. Is it? Nice. Um, but basically, oh, Europeans... No. <laughs> you better not be doing the When people see me, they go, Wowie Wowie. Oh, you. <laughs> I thought you meant your creature then. And I was like, oh, have no, we done the same no, thing? But no. Oh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> I'd be yeah. much angrier if we'd done the same creature. Oh, what you were implying is that people are like, wowie, wowie, when they see you. I was making... See, See, it wasn't funny because it's believable, so... (laughs) Why you didn't get it. That's Nina, also known as the... (laughs) (laughs) If only our listeners could see your eyes popping out of your head as you make that noise. (laughs) Oh, anyway, so... 
the Bunyip had all of those fun names, but Europeans found out that and they were like, no, we can't cope. It just needs one name and apparently decided to call it a Bunyip. Um, so yeah, that's a thing. I like it's a it. great name. I love it. It's pretty cool. Although it's, it's no wowie wowie. <laughs> <laughs> wowie uh, wowie! No, Exa- like, you can't not be excited, can you? I know, it is pretty good. Um, so Aborigines used to tell tales of creatures that stalked the waterways and ate any prey item that came too close, um, and that they developed a taste for people, especially children. Uh-oh. So wondering kind of whether this actually comes from them trying to just keep their children away from places where they could drown who knows um one of the original legends says that a man named bunyip broke the rainbow serpent's greatest law by eating his totem animal um and he was banished by the good spirit bmi um and the man became an evil spirit that lured tribesmen and their livestock into the water so he could eat them all Mm. so that's one of them however some accounts actually describe um, the bunyip as more of like a gentle herbivore, herbivore, a sort of benevolent protector of Australia's wildlife, uh, rather than a bloodthirsty predator who's just trying to kind of scare people away to protect the local wildlife. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I thought it was quite cute. Um, yes. So one of the first recorded accounts of the bunyip took place in 1818 when James Meehan and explorer Hamilton Hume both found enormous bones in Lake Bathurst, which is in South Wales of Australia. So they described the, the creature as being similar to a manatee or a hippo. Huh. So what does it look like? This is really fun because you can basically ask anybody and you'll get a different account. This creature has been described in so many different ways. It's nuts. Uh, some of my favourites are like a feathered seal with legs, uh, an amphibious <laughs> fly- flying creature sporting a long cyclops-like horn, um, an amphibious animal with a round head, elongated neck, and a body resembling that of an ox. Slow down! What's a fucking? <gasps> what is a cyclops horn? What's an no, eye? What, a cyclops-like horn. Wait, that no, that doesn't make any sense. No, that's a, that's. Like a, rhinoc- mean a single horn like yeah. a rhinoceros who knows it's literally taken verbatim sporting <laughs> a long cyclops like horn okay there's more there's okay more. good yes please I'd love to hear more <laughs> also, also you should not have skimmed over feathery seal with legs <laughs> feathery seal with legs <laughs> I want to wait that. oh no that's a really good point does it then also still have a tail it, are the legs on the bottom like on the belly or where I mean, the tail is so it's like and then where upright. are the feathers going does do its flippers then become wings <laughs> i think is it's it, just, is it just, just for you to bird? decide <laughs> <laughs> it's just an ostrich none of us knows none of us knows but anyway let's let's talk more about what it looks like so uh cross a cross between a bird and a crocodile i like that um and the descriptive words vary from scaly furry Big, small, skinny, burly. Burly, I like that. Who the fuck knows? Um, Quite frequently, it's referred to as being the size of a whale. I don't know. Also, sometimes small. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like Uh, one of those small whales that you get. In 1847, there was actually a bunyip skull exhibited at the Sydney Museum, which is now the Australian Museum. Um, and prominent natu- naturalist or naturalist uh, William Maclay examined the odd-looking relic and compared it with an even stranger one with only eye sockets. But Ugh. he concluded that rather than it being um, a bunyip or a brand new species, both skulls were just kind of deformed. So one was a deformed camel and the other a deformed foal. Hmm. Yes. They have camels in Australia. Well, if you take them there. <laughs> yeah. If you take their skulls there, they do. <laughs> um, so the bunyip purportedly made booming or roaring noises. Um, and there's, uh, there's sort of accounts of, what, of a specific bunyip from a place called Burrowang. Um, where Australia's there's lots funny. Of, I know, their names are great. I love all of their names. Um, why do we have places like Bognorwegis? Bognorwegis. <laughs> and they've got Burrowang. Uh, it's because we're, we're not doing it right. Burrowang. Yes. 
Um, so, yeah, so there's lots of anecdotes about kind of people hearing these roars that send shivers up their spine. So during the early 1930s, a group of railway workers fled in horror after hearing strange noises that they believed to be the bunyip coming from the swamp. Um, or they just wanted to chip off for the day and that seemed like a great <laughs> excuse. <laughs> Either way, they left work early. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was apparently during the 1960s that the bull-like roar that was heard coming from the Burrowang Swamp was kind of at its loudest and most ferocious. Um, and a nearby pub owner used to say that it shook the bottles on the top shelf of the bar. Uh, however, somewhat tellingly, the bunyip wasn't heard of after the swamp was dammed in 1974, which basically led them to theorise that kind of the infamous bellows were actually just coming from the swamp's peat. Um, yeah so making noises as it expands and contracts with the changing temperatures not or, just a man called pete no not just a guy called pete they like pete yeah. oh, fucking <laughs> coming from the swamp pete swampy pete would you shut the fuck up um or actually so, the bunyip was just like you've just fucked up my swamp i'm out of here yeah well quite Ooh. There's lots of, you know, that's probably a really good scientific reason, Nina, for the mythical yeah. creature to have left. Um, so, yeah, as I've kind of said, like, the bunyip was a really interesting one to research because it just sits in this puddle of vagueness of is it good? Is it bad? Is it large? Is it small? Is it scaled? Is it fuzzy? Nobody knows. Um, some of the theories about where it originally came from, some candidates, as they're kind of speculated, are leopard seals. Um, or elephant seals getting very lost somewhere um, and turning up could be thought of as being um, the bunyip. Or, and this is my favourite, it could be a surviving diprodoton, which is an extinct genus of gigantic quadrupedal marsupial native to Australia during the Ple uh, Pleistocene. Yeah. That's not that rubbery stuff you build things with. Ple Pleistocene, Pleistocene epoch. Yeah. yeah. Um, which has been extinct for nearly 46,000 years. Uh, but there are some uh, kind of real passionate believers who think that one of these massive marsupials is just bombing around the Australian outback, uh, <laughs> pretending, to be, <laughs> yeah, pretending to be a mystical creature. Um, some of the ideas as well are that actually perhaps the Aborigine might have a cultural memory um, of the Diprodoton, so that it's sort of an oral tradition which has passed down, even though that creature might now be extinct. Um, in terms of what it looks like, the Diprodoton looked a bit like a giant wombat, which is somewhere between terrifying and adorable, uh, if you have a look at them. Oh, sounds cute. Yes. So I chose the Bunyip because I was trying to find something a little weirder than than some of the more well-known well -known ones. Um, and this one seemed to be really fun. So um, that's pretty much the end of my story. But if people want to learn more about the bunyip, I've got quite a few links that are going to be obviously uh, at the bottom of the episode that you can check out. And there's lots of individual stories of people's accounts of meeting bunyips. Um, they're all bonkers and, and, and definitely not true. They're definitely encounters with like <laughs> a hippo or some such thing um so check it out that's right. the end of my story well oh. thank you that was quick oh sorry <laughs> oh, too brief. so fast was i speaking too quickly um no was my story <laughs> too short i just thought your story was going to be longer with how quick you were speaking because i thought you were trying to cram a lot in no i think i just speak quickly <laughs> all right it's my turn this content so, is gold. Carry on. I decided, and maybe I will be cancelled for this decision. Who the fuck knows? Oh, uh, no. Nina, apparently. And I'll tell you. So I was like, huh, famous mythical creatures. And then I was like, oh, do you know what? Maybe I should do Father Christmas. And then I was like, nah, they won't let me get away with that. So then I was like, I'm going to do the Tooth Fairy. Whoop, whoop. So, okay. so that's what I'm doing, the Tooth Fairy. I feel so, right. that, that fits. It, yeah, so actually it kind, of, it kind of doesn't upon more research. <laughs> um, you were doing so well until you started arguing with yourself <laughs> about how well it fit. Who's uh, going to call me out for this? 
Oh, it's me. <laughs> you like uh, Rhea is a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so the tooth fairy. Uh, as we all know, is that mythical creature that when we lose our baby teeth, comes along, um, has developed this like weird transaction thing with us where we're like, oh, I've lost my baby teeth. Uh, and then the tooth fairy is like, dude, I've got a use for that. Can I buy that from you? And, and we're all like, yeah, okay. And then the tooth fairy is like, no, but you can't look at me whilst I do it. So could you put it under your pillow? Don't worry, I'm good for it. I'll leave the money there. And that's what we do. We, we put a tooth under our pillow, we go to sleep, and then in the morning, there's like a pound. I've heard though that these days, kids are getting like five pounds for their baby teeth. Piss off. I got yeah. 50p. 50p. I, but I, back in my day, five Freddos. Uh, yeah so obviously worth it after having just lost a tooth um so like more candy (laughs) (laughs) i'll just chew it with my gums Uh, (laughs) (laughs) just mash on this (laughs) chocolate frog well yeah um whatever you're into so (laughs) the thing is the tooth fairy is actually a really really recent um introduction like introduced creature or concept or idea it's not actually like a long tradition so um people can trace the tooth fairy back to kind of the early uh, 20th century so in 1927 in america there was a three-act playlet written for children by esther watkins arnold and love her stuff i know right just <laughs> adore it just adore it but her tooth fairy um story was actually inspired by the legend of a mouse um mentioned in a good fairy myth so there was an earlier like i guess either a a tale or a musical uh or a story called la bonne petite souris which is the good little mouse and uh and it was an 18th century french fairy tale where uh, a mouse changes into a fairy to help a good queen defeat an evil king by hiding under his pillow to torment him and knocking out all of his teeth oh yeah that's fucked up yeah it doesn't get less fucked up because then the mouse helps to actually get the king assassinated so so that's fucking cool how, uh, how? What does... I, I don't I don't know. I didn't investigate that bit further. There's other shit. There's like fucking pages of this shit, guys. Oh god. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's what you signed up for. <laughs> so this didn't really super take hold. It kind of inspired ideas about teeth. Um and I think dentists also kind of took this up a little bit, kind of push the idea that the tooth fairy only wants teeth that don't have decay uh so it's kind of like a big dental scam yeah big dentistry (laughs) um so not really though but worst gang ever (laughs) (laughs) so in the 1970s there was a chicago radio disc jockey uh it actually says disc jockey and not dj so disc jockey uh, uh, by by the name of Dick Orkin. Sorry, I had a bit of a thing. Uh, yeah, um, I thought you just paused then, like Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Dick. I didn't. Dick Orkin. Oh, that's oh, Dick Orkin. Hi, I'm Dick Orkin. Um, so Dick Orkin. Oh, well, his... please say it again. Dick Orkin. <laughs> you said it so many times. <laughs> it just it sounded. Like you're offering me something what's a kid dick or kin which one is that like would you like the d or are we siblings dick or kin it's oh god is is neither possible i don't know yeah neither would be thank you uh so (laughs) they created a radio series called the secret adventures of the tooth fairy um and so these broadcasts kind of uh 
like heightened curiosity uh, in people listening. And then the American Dental Association was flooded with calls requesting more information about the tooth fairy, um, which is like, what? Why? Um, so I, I, I don't know what they thought. Did they think that the Dental Association just had all the stories about the tooth fairy? Were they like, can we hear more about this creature? I'd love to, to know more about the, the fiscal opportunities here like what why were they calling in no one like, if i listen to a story about father christmas on the radio i don't call i don't know a shop where they sell toys to ask about <laughs> father christmas like what i don't we should we should start <laughs> so anyway then at around about that same time in the 70s, there was a Northwestern University uh, dental school professor called Rosemary Wells, and she wanted to know what prompted children to begin the practice of placing their lost baby teeth under their pillows. So then she started like a poll to kind of figure out what people's traditions or like rituals were sort of surrounding it, because this had, it had grown up really recently, this idea of putting baby teeth under the pillow and she also like did polls about like the money and what people thought the tooth fairy looked like and it was also kind of linked i think with uh, disney as well at the time so it started because disney was you know uh, making films like fantasia and peter pan so we already had like a really established idea of what a fairy looked like okay so it's kind of all these like media things that are getting mixed up in people's heads, which have created a really recent tradition, which I find kind of crazy. Oh, sorry, I forgot to say that the Rosemary Wells actually created a tooth fairy museum, but it is now closed, which is a bit sad. Uh, it closed when she died, but it was like filled with tooth fairy dolls, drawings by kids, books, pillows, paintings, sculptures. I absolutely do not need to go to a museum to look at drawings that children have done. Well, I mean, just you wait. When you're older, maybe you will. Uh, and, no, I can't see it. And it also had boxes designed to hold baby teeth. Were there teeth in the museum? Uh, it does Because I would go that. to a museum to look at some teeth. I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like this woman was maybe doing some market research and was trying to figure out how she could become the tooth fairy and get herself some sweet, sweet teeth. Yeah, I think you're right. I, it, that makes the most sense in this I'm, situation. I'm slightly confused by her bafflement of like, why did children start doing this? Like, because people told them they'd get money if they put their, yeah. a bit of the head that fell out that they no longer need anymore under yeah. this cushion. <laughs> like, I suppose... that's the answer. It's money. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, it's just kind of interesting that it, it really was only the beginning of the 20th century where people started doing something like that. You're going to have to say that in numbers for me. Uh, so like, yeah, like 1900s, the beginning, like, yeah. Like that around, is crazy recent. Yeah, yeah. So like that play came out in 1927 and that may well have inspired people to start doing that. But then that book would have had to have been, or sorry, that three-part play would have had to have been crazy popular to start spreading around like that. But then were people already starting to do something like, something like that? Anyway, so um, there's not really ancient links to the idea of the tooth fairy in folklore. There are fairy tales and uh, creatures that you might associate with teeth. So, for example... Um, that little fucking mouse. Yeah, that little fucking mouse. I'm going to tell you more about that little fucking mouse. Uh, so in medieval England, people got rid of children's babies' teeth by burning them uh, because they kind of believed that uh, if they didn't do that, then when the child eventually died, that they would have to spend their afterlife searching for those baby teeth. Oh, I love those stories. Like, what? So they burn them, so they definitely have to spend time looking for them because they're nowhere around. No, but well, now they can't be found. Well, I think I think the idea is if you've definitely completely destroyed them, you know you're not going to find them. You know, like if you burn down your house, you're like, I guess I'm not coming back to that. 
I mean, uh, I don't think mine were burnt, but I'm okay with having let go of my baby teeth. I don't feel attached to them. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I'm a little concerned for all of us. I feel like maybe we are going to have to go looking for our baby teeth after well, if we, we all die. have to do it, then we can just chill for eternity. Oh, oh God. my God. Yeah, <laughs> this podcast forever. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like hanging out going like, yeah, I'm totally looking for my teeth right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm um, sure they're under this chair or this glass of wine somewhere. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> we'll keep looking. So then in other parts of Europe, uh, children were encouraged to offer their teeth to animals, usually mice, or to throw them up in the air. Uh, I don't, and, then, and then what? <laughs> I don't what? know. I don't know why they thought the animals would want them. But what? <laughs> when you throw them up in the air, I presume they're coming back down. Then what do you do with it? You just fucking leave them on the floor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, okay. Because in uh, Korea, um, there are traditions around the baby teeth where if you plant them in the ground, it means that your new teeth will grow in straight. But you, uh, but it's like the the top teeth. So if you lose your top teeth, they go in the ground so that they go grow straight down. And then if you lose your bottom teeth, they go on the roof so that your bottom teeth grow straight up. Okay. Uh, okay. So yeah. there's just loads of teeth on people's roofs everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless, you know, animals come and take them. <laughs> Which we know they want to. <laughs> yes! Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So some of them suggested that um, there was concern around uh, changelings and that if they like keep the little baby teeth um, next to the changeling, it'll kind of reveal the changeling or it's, I don't know, it's, it's like that sort of, that magic of kind of revealing it's the real child and I don't know. It's very strange. I'm a real boy. I'm a real boy. <laughs> I'm a changeling. And then there's Jenny Greenteeth, uh, who was a witch who would hide in Scumfield Ponds and catch unsuspecting children. And I think she was called Greenteeth specifically because... Because um, of the scum. Yeah. Well, because I think it was kind of in- used to encourage children to brush their teeth so you don't get like dirty, horrible teeth like that scum pond witch down the road jenny why'd you hate her so much yeah she's probably, she's probably cool man oh uh, she's such a bastard <laughs> so, so here are some other traditions that people have done with teeth around the world so kids in afghanistan again throw their teeth in a mouse or a rat hole um and for some reason the rodent will give them a nice strong tooth because Rats apparently have such strong teeth that it's kind of that association. The... They do, but I don't see why they'd be sharing. Well, <laughs> you know, because they they just got the gift of baby teeth, you know? All right. Yeah, yeah like if someone gave me their baby teeth, I'd say, no, thank you. Um, but, you know, I'm not a rat, so... <laughs> Guys, please, please send in all your baby teeth. <laughs> please don't. Um, <laughs> Um, and then uh, there were some Native American groups, so like the uh, Chippewa people, they used charcoal to make the lost tooth turn black and then throw it to the West while asking the child's grandma to help the permanent tooth grow in strong. What? Yeah. Specific? Okay. Yep. <laughs> Uh, then the Cherokee, they would throw a lost tooth on the roof um, and uh, request a beaver to help the new t- tooth grow in. I guess because beavers have strong teeth. I. <laughs> uh, let's see, there's some others. Lots of them. It's just this idea that like you're trying to make the new tooth grow in strong. Oh, and then ancient Abyssinia. Uh, children used to throw their lost tooth at a howling hyena, again, asking the hyena for strong teeth. It's basically, I think it's just like, it's animistic kind of magic. It's that kind of association with the, the animals that have strong teeth. And just like, if I give them that, my teeth are going to be 
fucking awesome. Or if I throw this at them, <laughs> I'm going to piss them off and they'll ah, eat my ah! face. <laughs> and they'll kill me. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. So in Argentina, children put their teeth in a glass of water and then a little mouse will drink the water, take the tooth, and leave some coins or candy in the empty glass. So, so that's kind of a double gift there. I mean, the mouse might be thirsty, so that's nice. <laughs> uh, in Colombia, children also uh, put, the, put a tooth under their pillow, and they have a mouse named El Raton Migueleto, who takes the tooth and gives them money. So I, I feel like there's this strong like association of like el raton who who takes the tooth in exchange for money but i can't really establish why why it gives the money like why does it have the money in the first place like is it just like are they just fucking rich how are why do these mice have so much money <laughs> like like just international business mice and rats <laughs> I love that because I'm an international business mouse. <laughs> Look at my tiny briefcase. <laughs> Put all my money in stocks and cheese. <laughs> and teeth, apparently. Mm. I think that's about it, really. So I think the strongest like tradition seems to be yeah, giving it to an animal. Uh, there's another one in uh, India where children throw their tooth on the roof and ask a sparrow to bring them a new tooth. And others throw their tooth at the sun, hoping for a bright adult tooth in return. <laughs> Imagine seeing that! <laughs> like lobbing a bag of teeth. <laughs> With a massive smile on their face. I'm going to get such nice teeth! Yeah! Look at that um, yeah, um, I mean, there's lots and lots and lots, and I will put links in the description um, to more of these tooth fairy kind of traditions from around the world. I'll finish on one from Turkey, which just... Uh, the parents of children in Turkey believe that their child's lost tooth holds within it their future. If they want their child to become a great soccer player, they will bury the tooth in a soccer field. If they wanted their child to go to dental school, then they would bury the child's tooth around a dental school. So again, <laughs> it's it's like sympathetic magic, basically. The idea that you take a part of yourself and you're kind of binding it to something else to make something else happen, which wonderful, love it. Uh, where, so, where, did, where did your parents plant your teeth, Ria? <laughs> oh, <laughs> in a Victorian. <laughs> costume makers Done. yeah that's where it goes yes um oh man i i i don't even know what they did with my teeth uh i think it's okay not to know that yeah i think i'm glad not to know that yeah uh so there's tooth fairies in various movies uh darkness falls is uh like a, a tooth fairy horror movie is it uh, uh it was okay like, I don't remember too much about it, so it can't have been too particularly great. I think the, re <laughs> the main reason I watched it is because it had uh, the woman who plays Anya in Buffy in it. And, and then there's the Tooth Fairy with The Rock. And then there's El Raton Perez, which I think is a Spanish movie. But there's a similar like rat creature that takes teeth in Italy and Spain and France. So it's kind of a lot going on in sort of Europe uh, with with a, a rat that takes your teeth, and a lot going on in uh, the business. Yeah, the rat. yeah Europe business rat district. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying words. I don't know what order. They yeah, it's be just <laughs> it's just word salad. It's just like oh, I just mix it up. Whatever comes out comes out. Rats uh, and teeth and money. Rat teeth. Uh, and then I also found on Amazon that you can buy tooth containers and tooth boxes to hold your baby teeth. And some of them look like little, you know, like collect the set boxes. Ew. So that you'd have like, they have like a space for each of the little teeth that you would collect. 
Can you imagine opening that little box? <laughs> that sounds like little serial killer packs. Yeah. And then other ones are like little tooth shaped boxes to put your singular tooth in because like you couldn't just wrap your tooth in a in a tissue and just pop it under your pillow. Because oh. like, ugh, who wants to touch that? No, I want a little tooth shaped box. To... I did. I had something to put my teeth in. Oh. Yeah. Bougie. So did I. It's my mouth. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> did you just swallow all of your teeth when they came out? Like a bulse. <laughs> oh, but also there was. I don't need really... your cash, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like a fucking baller. <laughs> Whoop. Uh, so yeah, I think a lot of people feel like the uh, the tooth fairy kind of grew up around this idea of children having fear and trauma surrounding the loss of their teeth and that this is kind of a way of uh, mitigating that that scary situation where your teeth get all wobbly and then you pull them out too soon and then your mouth's just a puddle of blood it is pretty fucking disgusting it's gross isn't it like yeah. i remember pulling a tooth out when i was waiting in line um in the dinner line at primary school like i was oh. just like pop uh could you, you know. imagine if it happened to adults? Like, oh my god! Every now and then, we just like pulled our teeth out. Yeah, like, yeah. look at this bit of my head. <laughs> it just came out. <laughs> I'm gonna take it home. I yeah. I'm gonna give it to my mum. Yeah. <laughs> well, you like, know those awesome things where kids like they can blow their tooth. It's like hanging on one side. Amazing. So gross. Uh, but I've just remembered uh, another uh, tooth fairy uh, that was in Pan's Labyrinth, which was oh yes, so good, so good. I still haven't seen that. So oh, well, you, you should you watch need it. To see that. Anyway, that's it. I've finished with talking about the tooth fairy. Um, yeah, she's she's real. She's real, <laughs> and she's a rat, and she's coming Science. for your teeth. Yeah, she's a business rat. <laughs> Look anyway. at my briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, Rhea. Thank you very much. For your... Oh, you're very welcome. I liked uh, the mix of cute little mice and disgusting remembering my teeth falling out in the end. Oh, well, great. <laughs> Striking the balance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like a good mixture. What have you got for us, Nina? Right. So, myth mythological... Good start. Strong. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure in the hat it says mythological, and I don't know what that is. That a word? Does that mean mythological? Yeah. Yeah. As in yeah. from of mythology. Yeah. So what's mythical? Yeah. Different word, same meaning. Oh right. Okay. Cool. Which famous? <laughs> Resolve that mystery. I mean, I could have just googled it, but I didn't. Thought I'd save it for that <laughs> sweet, sweet content. <laughs> <laughs> for that quality exchange. So mine is famous. You will know it. I thought I'd just introduce it slowly bit by bit and you can guess. I've got about six bullet points. You can guess what it okay. is as I go. When, when can I guess? And how many guesses do I get? And will you just throw me out of the cast if, uh, if I get it wrong three times? Um. If you get it wrong three times, oh, Nina's going to crawl out of a mirror at you. Uh, <laughs> right. So apparently there are 15 to 20 sightings a year of this mythical creature. Riz, but... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on lives... moonlit nights. <laughs> it lives in a lake. Riz, but... Riz, but... Riz, but... It has a long neck. Nessie! Yes! Woo! So the rest of those things are long neck, humped body, large flippers and tail. It was named after the place it lives in the Scottish Highlands. Its nickname is Nessie. If you hadn't got it by then, I probably would have left. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Loch Ness Monster. Well, after you'd said its nickname was Nessie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. You were still like, mm, no. Is it the Yeti? <laughs> Wait, I need more description. So I struggle with this topic. I, tr I was going to do uh, Sasquatch and Bigfoot because hashtag Squatch Life. But yeah. um, 
but then basically with all of these mythical things all all the ones that i tried to look up and was like i want to do that one all it is is some people saying they've seen it they can't prove they have or not and scientists going nah you probably ain't yeah <laughs> so i picked Loch Ness just because i it seemed to have a bit more content than just that um so i'm going to talk about some of the sightings and searches because they have actually done searches of the lock and then some suggested explanations so the earliest report of a monster in loch ness was in 565 ad what yeah so which long ago. i thought that was pretty cool because it's so long ago and it's recorded mm. yeah um so the the event they were recorded about 100 years after it happened by someone doing a biography of saint columba saint columba was an irish monk who was staying in scotland at the time um and he came across local residents burying a man by the river ness which feeds into the top of loch ness hmm. um he he asked what happened and they explained that the guy was swimming in the river and he was attacked by a water beast that mauled him and dragged him underwater and killed him mm. um, and they said they tried to save him in a boat but they couldn't so saint columba decided to send one of his followers to swim across the river oh wow okay. saint columba sounds like a dickhead yeah, yeah. i guess I guess just to go see what's up. Yeah, like, you're expendable. Why don't yeah. you go swim across there? I want to see what happens to you. Yeah, you follow me. I'm a saint. Do anyway, what I say. I'm, I'm going to sit here and just watch. Yeah. Well, he didn't just watch. He did do some helpful things, which we already know are helpful. So the beast did approach this person in the river, but Columba made the sign of the cross. Hey, crisscross. Crisscross. <laughs> And he also said some words, so he was really going out of his way to help her. Oh wow! That's the words, Columba. He's I a know. boss. That's why he's a saint. Yeah, he said, yeah. "Oh, go no further. Do not touch the man. Go back <laughs> at once." Nice. And and it worked. Right. Apparently, the uh, nice. the creature stopped uh, as if it had been pulled back with ropes. And it fled, and Columba's men and the locals gave thanks for what they perceived as a miracle. Well, I mean, it was. Like, yeah. no. he said, do not touch the man. And it did not touch the man. And it did not touch the man. I was wondering but if that was like kind man? of... <laughs> I was just wondering if that little speech was what goes on in, in your heads. Like, stop. Go no further. Do not touch the man. Instead. The lady. Yeah. Yeah. Well <laughs> that what lesbians think? Constant, yes. constant replay. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite Joe specific though. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, She's bold. <laughs> that was in 565 AD. And then there w weren't any other reported things that I could find until 1871 or 72. So quite the gap there. I yeah. feel like the early one gives it some like legitimacy as a folklore myth thing, but mm -hmm. it, actually 1871, also quite recent. That's yeah. like tooth fairy times. Yeah, yeah. Very close. Very close. Maybe they're related. Loch Ness tooth fairy. So what happened in, so it was in October in 1871 or 1872, um, D. McKenzie, we don't have his first name, he reportedly saw an object resembling a log or an upturned boat, quote, wriggling and churning up the water. And it moved slowly at first, but then it disappeared at a faster speed. Now, McKenzie didn't report that until 1934 when some more shit happened and Nessie got really popular and more people were interested in it. So, might be a bit suspicious, maybe. Mm. 
Um, I didn't think about it at the time. I was yeah. like, oh, that's weird. That giant log thing looks like a massive lizard. And then someone's like, I saw a massive lizard. lizard. And he was like, oh, me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's, he, he's like, you know, when people don't know a band, but you're yeah. like, have you heard that band? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been listening to that band for five years. Yeah. Even though they just started last week. That's I have deep, been listening, Ria. I love that band. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that was, yeah. So that was 1872. And then everything died down until shit really kicked off in but... 1933 and 34. So basically, there were more reports in this space of time than there had been ever in the history of all the reports that I found on Wikipedia. Oh, wow. That's pretty That's illustrious a, company. Uh, well. <laughs> so, in 1933, um, George Spicer and his wife claimed they saw a most extraordinary form of animal crossing the road in front of their car. They described the creature as having a large body, uh, about four feet high and 25 feet long, and a long, wavy, narrow neck, slightly thicker than an elephant's trunk, and as long as the width of the road. They saw no limbs. Okay. But they did report that it lurched across the road towards the lock. So I, I guess it just like threw itself if it didn't yeah. have any limbs. I mean, I assume it's just like a giant snake. Yeah, big snaky, eely thing. Yeah. Um, so that was 1933. In 1934, in January, Arthur Grant, who was a veterinary student, claimed to have hit Nessie on, no, nearly hit Nessie on a motorbike at about one in the morning. He described it as having a small head attached to a long neck, a cross between a seal and a plesio, plesiosaur, plesiosaur, which is an extinct marine reptile. He said he got off his bike and followed it to the lock, but only saw ripples in the water so he couldn't see it anymore. And he drew a sketch of it that was in, examined by a zoologist who said it was consistent with the behaviour and appearance of an otter. Mm. So it's been suggested that it was one in the morning, there was not a lot of light, and that played part in his perception of it being this big, long thing. I don't know about you, but I feel like it's going to have to be pretty fucking dark for me to see an otter and think yeah. it's a big old marine reptile dinosaur type thing. Well, hang on, yeah. wait, how much I've have not... we been drinking? Yeah, but also, what's the biggest otter you've ever seen? Like, standard otter size? Yeah. Like I... a metre? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's like a huge range no. in otter it's size. Like one size fits all. Yeah. Yeah, like I've not, I've just, I've not seen one that's like 25 foot long, no. or four foot high. It, I find it very horrible. troubling that this man is a veterinary student. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, at that time, you just decided that you were one, I think. Yeah, <laughs> probably. I'm a vet now. <laughs> I've seen so, a very large otter, so I'm qualified. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm a vet. Um, so that was in January and then in April 1934 a gynaecologist called Robert Kenneth Wilson supposedly took the famous photo photograph of Nessie um, so do you know the one I'm talking about I can send you a link is that the it's, one that yes the fuzzy the black one, one with the with neck the, yeah yeah fuzzy one little tiny neck coming out the water so um, is it is it super relevant that he's a gynaecologist like <laughs> no <laughs> Like just oh yeah, this uh, gynecologist. He's uh, can you tell taking some much photos this? of Nessie? <laughs> no, no. I Wikipedia. mean, like you can you can say it. I'm saying. I'm just saying. I like, guess I put it in because I thought he he must be a doctor. You know, we've got this veterinary student. We've got a doctor now saying this. That you know, yeah. You know, he's rep- he's <laughs> an expert in vaginas, not in swimming monsters. So. <laughs> There's and it's even there's a disgusting joke in there somewhere. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'd never trust a male gynecologist anyway, so I don't really trust him. Yeah. No. But I apparently I put it in the story so that you would trust him. Oh, well, I don't. <laughs> it had the opposite effect. 
Oh, also partly because of the name of the photograph. So the photograph is called the surgeon's photograph because he refused to have his name associated with it. Okay. So he is is a gynecologist surgeon? I don't fucking know. Maybe they just didn't want to call it the gynecologist photograph because people would be like, I don't want to really want to look at that. Yeah. Yeah, that would be quite funny. Hey, <laughs> if it's called guys, the gynecologist photograph. Yeah. And then it's guys, do you want to see messy this gynecologist photo <laughs> this photo from the gynecologist do you want to see it <laughs> i just went today <laughs> so anyway this so this was the famous photo and this is when interest in nessie really increased and about the time that that bloke from 1871 was like oh yeah i saw one of those 60 years ago <laughs> And it got super popular because there was a photograph and everyone was like, oh my God, look at this, look at this. So according to uh, Robert Kenneth Wilson, gynecologist, MD, doctor man, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, according to him, he was looking at the lock when he saw Nessie and grabbed his camera and took that photo. However, a newspaper outed the photograph as a fake in 1975 so that's quite a lot of time later. That's yeah. 45, 40 years it's later. It's also surprising because the 70s seems to be the time when fake photographs seem to be really all the rage um, in, in the cryptid world. Um, so, yeah, apparently they're busting that myth of Nessie, but uh, bringing in things like the lizard man. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, yep. I agree. Yep. So what really happened? This is quite, I, li- I like this, I like this. So in the 1930s, Marmaduke Wetherill. Yeah. People were called Marmaduke. Why is yeah. no one else? Marmaduke like, Wetherill. Oh, Why don't we call great... that now? Marmaduke I... is a fucking great name for a dog. It's a wonderful name. Is he a gynecologist? <laughs> <laughs> no, he worked for the Daily Mail. Oh, no, yeah. Marmaduke can fuck off. He was also, you're not going to like this, a big game hunter. Uh, I really don't like that. No. I thought you were going to say big gay man, and I was going to say, <laughs> why, wouldn't, why wouldn't I like that? <laughs> he was also a big gay man. <laughs> oh, no. No, he wasn't. Um, I mean, if he was, he probably wouldn't shout about it in the 1930s. No. So what he did... In the 30s, he went to the lock to search for the monster and he found some footprints and sent casts of them to scientists for analysis. Um, And then he was publicly mocked by his employer, who was the Daily Mail, when the results showed that the footprints were actually from a hippopotamus and a prankster had used a hippo foot umbrella stand to make the prints. I don't really know why, just pranksters you know you know how much we love pranks they love to prank yeah yeah Yeah, well i mean wait a prankster even though he's the big game hunter so he got pranked yeah and the daily mail took the piss out of him for it publicly so he is getting revenge on the daily mail by making this hoax oh i see now i'm kind of on his side again (laughs) <laughs> I'm not because he's obviously killed a fucking hippo. No, oh, no, yeah. no. He hasn't. No. Well, and how did who got the hippo stand? He that was anonymous prankster. Got a hippo foot. I don't believe it. Made some footsteps. Who's going to have access to a poached hippo's foot? It was the 1930s. Everyone had poached fucking yeah, dead animals. Really? really? It was probably every, a cure for warts or something. Every single one of your families, you've got a fucking hippo foot umbrella stand passed down. Rhea's got a lot of feelings about this. <laughs> oh, my story! <laughs> sorry, sorry. Please do continue. So he got pranked by the yeah. anonymous prankster with the hippo foot umbrella stand. He also, was in that's Paris. my new name, Anonymous Prankster. It's <laughs> your rapper. I name. thought it was going to be Hippo Stand. <laughs> then, which actually sounds pretty cool. That can be mine. Oh. <laughs> um, Sorry. So he was getting revenge on the Daily Mail because they took the piss out of him publicly, and he's a man and he can't take humiliation. Yeah. So he, yeah. what he did, he made this hoax um, 
along with his son, his son-in-law, who was a sculpture specialist, and for some reason, an insurance agent. Not a gynecologist. <laughs> no, he got the photo in the end. <laughs> so they bought a toy submarine from Woolworths and they made a head and neck out of wood putty um, and they floated it in the lock. They took a few pictures um, and then apparently someone approached them when they were doing it and he sank the model with his foot. Uh, so he just like stamped on it like don't look over here so it's probably still in the lock somewhere um and the littering huh littering yeah littering just adding to the list of this man's what a prick dick moves so the one of them they gave the photographic plates to wilson the gynecologist See, you, <laughs> otherwise you wouldn't know who he was. <laughs> they gave him to their gyno who got them developed and sold one of them to the Daily Mail who then announced that Loch Ness had been photographed. So how embarrassing for them. They published these fake photos. They probably sold loads of copies and it didn't get called out until 40 years later. Pranks. Ugh. Pranks. They're never funny. Yeah. Good Good one. Yeah. Um, So there's been, if you go on Wiki, there's loads of uh, other photos and videos over the years, um, but I'm not going to talk about them because they're just like lumps and shadows and waves and stuff. um, And they're not super interesting, but go on Wikipedia if you want more. You can like Google them from there. So I'm going to talk about some of the searches. Uh, there's been quite a number of searches over the years and scans, um, but they've all got different findings that contradict themselves. In December 1954, there were sonar readings taken by a fishing boat, and its crew noted a large object keeping pace with the vessel at a depth of 146 metres, and it was detected for 800 metres before they lost contact with it. So it was like going along with them um operation deep scan in 1987 involved 24 boats uh they were equipped with echo sounding equipment and they were deployed across the width of the lock according to bbc news the scientists had made sonar contact with an unidentified object of unusual size and strength and after examining a sonar result indicating a large moving object at a depth of 180 meters sonar experts said there's something here that we don't understand and there's something here that's larger than a fish maybe some species that hasn't been detected before i don't know (sighs) however i did say these were all contradictory so in 2018 an international team of researchers did a dna survey survey of the lake and they found there was no dna of large fish such as sharks sturgeons and catfish Uh, there was no otter or sea dna there was a lot of eel dna um, and the leader of the study said he could not rule out the possibility of eels of extreme size though none were found nor were any ever caught the other possibility is that the large amount of e- eel DNA simply many small eels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Not one giant one, 50 million smalls, right? It might just be a normal fucking lake. <laughs> Got eels in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there was no evidence of any reptilian sequences found. Uh, so he added, I think we can be fairly sure that there is probably not a giant scaly reptile swimming around in Loch Ness. Well, um, reassuring. Oh, that. Yeah, maybe I could go swimming in the in the lake, but I would need one of you guys to come along to be like, stop, do not touch the rear. I mean, that doesn't sound like something we do. <laughs> More like Nessie, Nessie. Yeah. More like, <laughs> where's my phone? I need to film yeah. this. I'll be like, guys. Um, so I've just got a couple of explanations, suggested explanations um, that people have put forward, which are super quick. Um, so one that people keep coming back to is the plesiosaur or plesiosaur. Um, yeah. 
um, but it's a long-necked aquatic reptile that became extinct during the Cretaceous Paleogene extinction event. So people suggested it, the, how it's been described is similar to that. Um, but people have come back against that saying um, in a New Scientist article, someone said the osteology of the neck makes it absolutely certain that the plesiosaur could not lift its head up swan-like out of the water. Oh. Like in how everyone describes it does. Mm -hmm. um, the other problem with that is the lock is only about 10,000 years old and before that it was frozen for about 20,000 years and I looked it up, the plesiosaur existed in the late Triassic period into the late Cretaceous period which was about 215 million to 80 million years ago. So a little bit of a time difference there. Yeah. Um, and also if plesiosaurs or creatures similar lived in Loch Ness they would have to keep coming up to breathe so they'd probably be seen more um, someone's rebuffed those people have postulated that a trapped marine creature that could have evolved from a plesiosaur directly or by convergent evolution could exist in there and the horns that some people see in sightings could be breathing tubes or nostrils as we oh. call them Allowing it to breathe without I love being that. seen. Would uh, you like a tissue to clear your breathing tube? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, please. Um, some people have suggested it's a big invertebrate, like big giant eel or a big wormy thing. And some people have said it's a long-necked giant amphibium, which is basically similar to the long-necked giant reptile, but it's an amphibian. Okay. So that's it. Does it exist? Probably not. Will we ever know? Also, probably not. The lock is. You gotta ask a gynecologist. Very big. Yeah, do ask your gynecologist for more information about the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> yes, look, please do. Did you remember his name? No. Wilson. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Wilson, I don't the gynecologist. Listen to people's names. I listen to their jobs. Especially. You said his name. Yeah, but I won't remember that in two hours i won't i'll know i was talking about a gynecologist because then i can picture yeah, him fair. and what yeah, he does true. in my mind that's true but <laughs> his name i don't care about his mind his name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um guys let me see your things uh, oh do you mean my your, craft so, uh, or my yeah, things yeah, yeah no you're drawing you're drawing okay. i realized after the gynecologist <laughs> speech i should have been not, clear. A, not a good thing Look to segue in. oh my god ria that's fucking so oh, that's amazing ria <laughs> what is it i was really excited about mine and i'm gonna put it away <laughs> Oh, no, yours, the, is, yours is cool too. Yeah, yours is really cool. Mine's the Tooth Fairy from Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, that's fucking sick. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Let's see yours, um, Nino. I, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. oh, oh, shit. I thought, it was, I thought it was just the tail. Yeah, uh, me too. No. <laughs> <laughs> Until like, you brought it down, I was like, oh, there. I did. Nessie. I did. Yeah, it's halfway done. I need to. Um, I'm trying to keep my crafts under an hour because normally I spend ages finishing them so i'm just gonna like quickly oh, try know. and smash this out yeah we know <laughs> <laughs> she's so mean though uh, i really enjoyed this week's actually um more than i thought i would i enjoyed listening about it researching it was pretty hard so guys this was a listener requested topic that's why we did it if you want to request some more topics can you make sure there's lots of information on wikipedia for me to read yeah, please. Uh, Can you do the research before I do the research? Uh, no. Speaking um, of topics, though, what are we gonna do next time? Suck hat. Oh yeah. Um. Although I am complaining about this one, actually thinking about it, there are other ones that I want to talk about that I thought of when Rhea was like tooth fairy, but now I've forgotten what oh. they are. Um. Right. To pick. Curses. Oh yes. Curses. Oh yes. Curses and boulder dash. And that kind of thing. You no. can do boulder dash if you want. It's not on the topic card, but I'll allow it. What are we going to be creating? Um Oh we could do wire. We haven't done wire for a while. Yeah, okay, yeah. let's do wire work. I don't know if I can improve on what I did last time. I'm pretty sure you can. <laughs> Man, I'm going fucking hard on you today, aren't I? 
Um, yeah, I was being sarcastic though. Um, I yeah. made a nothing last time, so topping you made, that. You made this might be possible. A weather phenomena. I, was it? Was it? I mean, um, I felt, I felt your, uh, yeah. Did you? <laughs> Gosh, I mean, was I aware? <laughs> um, anyhow, before we go down that thread, um, I was going to say hold this. Anyhow, <laughs> back guys, to the gynecologist. Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> no Wilson. Well, um, you remember this. I couldn't even fucking remember his name then. We all now never guys, forget his name. I've just, just got a, just got a great memory for names and <laughs> great memory for gynecologists. Yeah, um, <laughs> never forget a gynecologist. They're just so frosty. <laughs> okay, so guys, if you want to learn more about our stuff that we talked about, seriously, just go to Wikipedia. But otherwise, go and look at the links on on the show Sounds- as we load it up. You'll see it. We steal all of the source, all of our information from other people. Thank you, other people. But we do cite them so that we're not plagiarists. Okay. Um, please rate, review, subscribe, listen, tell your friends, bring your friends, have Shit. a party outside, party. two meters apart, listen to the podcast. Six then- people max. Yeah. Yeah, share it with your colleagues at work. Yeah. Um, like just anyone, like strangers in the street, just shout at them yes. from two meters away. Okay. Listen. <laughs> yes. We like podcasts. That's why you're running away. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And, and please, please do let us know if you've done that and what the result was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and send us not- your artwork pictures pay for your bail no no we we will will not not. no um please send us your pictures hashtag wedding hour we want to see what you can do is it better than us i'm challenging you now can you do better than my work (laughs) i bet you can't um and yeah yeah i know that was a challenge that was a throwdown uh other than that what was your what was your rapper name hippo foot's challenging y'all hippo stand i'm anonymous prankster Hippopotamus. <laughs> Anonymous prankster is fucking sick. I Anonymous prankster with the featuring the hippopotamus stand. Come on now. <laughs> Grits grass. <laughs> oh, oh with uh, with Saint Saint Columbus. Saint Columbus. I was nearly there, but I was going to say Columbo. I remembered a name. Whoop whoop. And he um, wasn't a gynecologist. So no. Just I saying. Mean, not as far as we know. Maybe an amateur one. Oh, they're it's probably illegal. <laughs> avoid, <laughs> avoid. Don't go to them, guys. No, no. Black market no gynecologist. No, oh. no. Avoid. Avoid, avoid, avoid. On that wonderful note, I'm so sorry. Let's uh, finish on a better one. No. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Spread the wind. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Um, <laughs> I'm keeping. Um, that. I'm keeping <laughs> that. <laughs>